from the Wayne Sumner Studio. My recommendation is in honor of the British Bodie McBoatface. It's uh, Sonny McCarface. Broadcasting live in Boone, North Carolina on 90.5 WASU-FM. You're driving and you think you start getting hungry and you're like, oh, I have a Dunkin' Donuts app on my car. Why not I just buy 12 donuts? Around the world on iHeartRadio and WASURadio.com. It's astonishing what you've done. You managed to have a three-car pileup on a road with a speed limit of 25 miles per hour. Right in front of the police station, too. So, uh, congratulations. This is Loopy Radio. This is Loopy Radio. This is Loopy Radio. I'm Loopy. It's a weird day. It's uh, it's the 24th of April, 2019. And it's weird because we've all just come back from Easter break. Now, for us, Easter break was Monday and Tuesday off, and my show, obviously, today on Wednesday. So it feels like a Monday, but it's actually Wednesday, and you know what? That's just fine. I am A-OK with that, because that means the weekend is that much closer. And then the... The thing that that disappoints me, not just with Easter break, but with other breaks, is that not all of the UNC system schools have breaks at the same time. All of my friends that I would have wanted to see on a break who go to other colleges had Thursday and Friday off. But I had Monday and Tuesday off. And yeah, the weekend overlaps, but I wasn't able to really be here this weekend so i didn't get to see them but it's not just easter break that also applies to other breaks spring breaks aren't at the same time fall breaks not at the same time christmas break starts and ends at different times it just doesn't make sense and i actually asked a faculty person who would know the answer why this was once and they didn't really give me a straight answer but if anything could be taken from what they told me it's that Schools don't have breaks at the same time because it would make bad traffic on the highway. And I think that is the most BS answer I've ever heard. Anyway, we've got an interesting show today. Uh, Fake reviews online. This is becoming an increasingly difficult thing to deal with. Uh, Fake reviews. I mean, some of the backups that I have for the show that I've never actually had to use. In case I ever ran out of stuff, are funny fake reviews. And if you know what you're searching for and you know how to get to this stuff, there are some hilarious fake reviews out there for things online. But this is talking about fake reviews uh, saying that something is actually legitimate. So companies will put up something that's terrible, sell it as if it's something that's good. And then make fake accounts and write fake reviews saying that the product is good, even though it's garbage. It's it's an interesting thing to have to deal with. And a lot of companies like Amazon, eBay, even uh, other things that have just online stores, they're all having to deal with this. Fake reviews. And then uh, more tech stuff. Passwords. The other day I uh, talked about the most common password. Uh, has to do with a certain translation between English and Mandarin. Uh, This is about passwords that are strictly in English. The top 20 most used passwords, uh, two of them will shock you. They shocked me, and that's why I'm talking about this. Normally, I wouldn't care. But uh, 
part of that's actually quite funny. And then coffee news. I don't drink coffee. I was disappointed by it as a child, and it scarred me, and I will never drink it. But I know many, many, many people are awake right now because of coffee. And uh, two huge things in the news this week about coffee. Two massive stories, and uh, one of them involves Coca-Cola and coffee. And both of the news stories I have are bad news for Starbucks. It's not something bad Starbucks did. It's uh, big things that its competitors are doing uh, in order to try to take some of Starbucks' customers. But this is a uh, this is a weird a weird week for us App State students. For me, I don't have class on Friday, so it's just a two day school week for me. And then we just have one full week left next week. Not even a full week. Exams start next Friday. That's it. So. If you didn't know that and you're a student, uh, there you go. You may freak out now. Before we uh, head off to break, I'll uh, start on this little thingy. So uh, this article specifically is from Fox Business. is about Amazon. And a, uh, it's a new report that's come out that alleges that Amazon rece- receives thousands of fake customer reviews. It doesn't have a timetable in the headline, but they're having to deal with a lot of these things. And uh, I've totally seen them. And sometimes it's pretty blatantly obvious where you're like, yeah, that's definitely not, that's not truthful. Uh, not at all. But uh, it seems that there are cases where people fall into kind of this trap of the fake positive review. I mean, it's not just for hats and t-shirts and electronics it could be for hotel rooms it could be for cars even it could be for anything we'll check this out right when I come back I'm Loopy I'm Loopy So a, a big first question to ask for this is how important actually are reviews online? And if you're me, they're quite important. I uh, I totally use reviews. Uh, at minimum, I look at like the star rating that people give it. Like if something is like three and a half or below, I don't feel that great about purchasing it. Like it needs to be a four or higher. A lot of times. But this article that's come out recently uh, from Fox Business says that even if there is a four plus star review, it might not be genuine. And this just throws a wrench into the whole thing, doesn't it? I mean, you you definitely if you're pessimistic or even just realistic Uh, you might expect that there would be fake reviews out there for some things, but this is saying it might be a bit of an epidemic. Their article says Amazon's customer review system has been flooded with fake five-star reviews for tech products for mostly unknown brands, a new report claims. 
the British consumer company which question mark analyzed hundreds of technology products from 14 different categories, including headphones, cameras, and smartwatches, finding tens of thousands of glowing five-star consumer reviews, all from unverified purchasers, a telltale sign of fake reviews. Researchers found that unfamiliar products dominated search results for popular technology and often included hundreds of unverified reviews, meaning there's no evidence the reviewer ever actually bought or used the product. That's the important thing, is looking for a, a uh, verifiable review. That's the important part, because you know that they actually bought it, or at least, I guess it's as close as you can get to knowing. The study found, within hours... More than 10,000 unverified reviews for 24 pairs of headphones, all from unfamiliar brands. Within a few hours, 10,000 unverified reviews were detected by this group. Close to 87% of the reviews were unverified, while 71% of products on the first page had a perfect five-star score. One brand called Celebrat had 439 reviews, all five-star, all unverified, and all arrived on the same day. Big red flags. But if you're just browsing, browsing quickly, you're not necessarily going to be looking at the, the little details like that. The study by which, question mark, said uh, this sort of activity often involved duplication or repetition of reviews. We even found instances of positive reviews for entirely different products appearing on the listing. So sometimes not only are they fake reviews, but they're fake in the wrong place. They double fake, but it still says five stars. Likewise, Witch discovered that unknown brands of smartwatches, compact cameras, dash cams, and fitness trackers also had perfect ratings and a number of unverified reviews. They said many of which showed the same suspicious activity. In response to the study, a spokesperson for Amazon said the company uh, invests significant resources in protecting the sanctity of its reviews. I'm sure they do. The e-commerce behemoth uh, relies on a team of investigators as well as automated technology to prevent and detect fake reviews. That would be a difficult job. Even one inauthentic review is one too many, the, say, the uh, spokesperson told Fox Business. They said, we have, a, uh, we have clear participation guidelines for both reviewers and selling partners, and we suspend, ban, and take legal action on those who violate our policies. In the U.S., the Federal Trade Commission has begun to crack down on fake reviews. In late February, the FTC settled its first groundbreaking case against an online company for using fake paid ads to sell weight loss pills on Amazon, resulting in a $12.8 million fine. Andrew Smith, the director of uh, FTC Bureau of Consumer Protection, said people rely on reviews when they're shopping online. 
when a company buys fake reviews to in, to inflate its Amazon ratings, it hurts both shoppers and companies that play by the rules. This is a complicated topic. It seems, you know, the more you think about it, in some ways it seems kind of simple. You know, like look for the signs and uh, avoid it. But, man, if you're just browsing the Internet, shopping for things, it can be hard to uh, really see if it's real or fake. The product might be real, but maybe the review's fake. The review can't be real and the product be fake. That doesn't make sense. But, you know, even if the review is fake, you might still get a legitimate product and it might, uh, you might think it's fine. It might not be five stars like the review said, but it might still be okay. And then comes the realm of the hysterical. And that is the geniuses who write comedic fake reviews online. One great thing to do. Start looking at hotel reviews. Especially for really cruddy hotels. Pretty hilarious. I'm Loopy. College Talk Radio. Loopy without banned substances. So this uh, fake reviews, it can be hysterical, some of the fake reviews you can find online. And I, I've taken pride in the fact that I've never used one of these three backups that I have that for in case I ever ran out of things on a show, I've never run out of topics on a show, which is actually somewhat remarkable, not even the first time. But uh, the three backups I have are all funny, fake reviews. And uh, I can't help myself but actually finally use one of these things because, you know, this is the perfect topic for this, fake reviews. So fake reviews can be hurtful, yes. They, uh, they can be unlawful. Saying you uh, have something and endorse something that either doesn't exist or is just completely factually inaccurate. And companies now are starting to get fined big money for fake reviews. But here's, uh, here's an instance where a fake review is wonderfully beautiful and absolutely hysterical. Uh, just to give a little preface for this, I did previously use this one on the Mackie Move, and uh, uh, it was a success there. Mackie Mackie moves on Mondays. There's only one more next Monday, uh, Monday at 9. But this is it. It's the Playmobil Security Checkpoint. This is a real product. This actually existed. Uh, It's made of plastic, so it still exists somewhere. But it has been taken off the market. Uh, Playmobil, if you're not aware, is kind of, sort of, like bigger Legos, except not... They're plastic figures, probably like three times as tall as a Lego person uh, that can do various things. You buy various kits, whatever, simulate different things with them. Good for little kids. Little too difficult to swallow. I guess that's what makes them safer. Who knows? 
I never tried to swallow a Lego, so maybe that makes me intelligent. I don't know. Or or not. Probably not. So Playmobil security checkpoint. This was on Amazon. Uh, it might still be there, so uh, go check this out. Playmobil security checkpoint. $270 for a Playmobil security checkpoint. Free shipping, so it's all good. The free shipping makes it. $270. It comes with three people, luggage scanner, and a walkthrough scanner. The people, I bet the people will come with uh, luggage, too. I'm not... Here's the note from the manufacturers. This isn't fake. This is what the manufacturer says, Playmobil. It says, The woman traveler stops by the security checkpoint. After placing her luggage on the screening machine, the airport employee checks her baggage. The traveler hands her spare change and watch to the security guard and proceeds through the metal detector. With no time to spare, she picks up her luggage and hurries to board her flight. Exclamation point. That's what Playmobil says, you know. Just to give you an idea, just to give the two-year-olds out there who are shopping on Amazon the idea of what they might be buying. Simulating a uh, airport TSA checkpoint. Here's where um, the review gets fake, but in a, in, in, a, in a good way. Product questions. This is on Amazon. Uh, does it come with a TSA pre-check bypass lane? Uh, the answer is no. Unfortunately. No TSA pre-check bypass lane. Uh, Second question from a consumer. Uh, Is this the same playset used for transatlantic flights and customs? Does duty-free over three ounces still get confiscated? Uh, The answer is it is close to being the same set. On the international version, you get the foreign customs officials. Amazingly, there were no forms to fill out. The process is efficient and actually felt like they wanted you to visit their country. Product reviews. This is where it gets real good. Four out of five stars. Four out of five stars given by this person uh, for the product review. Their title for the review, no longer available. Uh, they said, get it uh, get it now as soon as it will no longer be available. It is now no longer available. This is actually quite old. TSA has requested that this product be removed from the market. It was deemed a security risk as it is virtually identical to the actual training material used to train TSA agents. Where people come up with this stuff. Three out of five stars, another person put, for an incomplete playset. Mm. Getting a, a different opinion on here. It says kids will have hours of fun with this toy. The only problem is that it's incomplete. I had to buy the Playmobil overly grabby TSA agent set and the Playmobil unnecessarily long line of people set as well. Fortunately, uh, fortunately, the second set can be used with my child's Playmobil soulless corporate bank set. It all comes around. It all works together, it seems. Playmobil. This is for the, uh, just in case you just came in, the Playmobil security checkpoint playset. Fake reviews. Fake. Funny. Fake. I've got two more product reviews when we come back. It it only gets better. It only gets better. If you really want... Again, if you really want to see some fake reviews... Hotels and massive televisions. Those are the best. 
I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. So we're looking at fake reviews, and obviously this can be a negative thing uh, in a lot of cases, really. I'd say definitely the vast majority of bad, of, of, of fake reviews are bad. So, and it's possible, too, that a large percentage of bad reviews are fake. That's a whole other topic. But a, a large percentage, I'm sure, uh, of, of uh, ill-intended reviews are not good for us to be seeing. I have a poll going, and it says, how important are product reviews for you online? 83% of people that have voted on this have said that they're important. So, obviously, this is an issue worth... Uh, worth talking about but there is a good side even though there are companies that fraudulently post uh reviews or things for things that are fake and get people to buy things that don't exist you also do get reviews for products um whether it's just a funny review in general or it can also be kind of a form of roasting uh in in a nicer way to kind of tell the product maker yeah no one really needs that that's uh, those can be seen on massive televisions, ones that cost like eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, those do happen. Uh, and the one that I've been dissecting here a little bit, Playmobil security checkpoint. Uh, if you don't know what Playmobil is, it's intended for wee little kids. It's kind of like bigger Legos, except not Legos. They're plastic, but they're you know you you know what I'm talking about if you know what I'm talking about. That's useful. Uh, Playmobil security checkpoint. So it's a Playmobil set, and it's simulating a TSA security checkpoint. I guess this is for if you want to teach your two-year-old how to successfully navigate through an airport. You're trying to give them independence real early, sending your two-year-old on a flight. But anyway, Playmobil security checkpoint. The manufacturer was legit about this thing. It's all about uh, having a traveler... Drop luggage on a screening machine, pass through the uh, the security checkpoint, all that kind of stuff. It comes with three people, a luggage scanner, and a walkthrough scanner. Granted, none of this stuff works. It's all plastic. It's intended for two-year-olds. You get the point. Last time I looked on Amazon for this thing, it was discontinued, which I think is part of why the price increased. I actually believe there's a new version of this set out updated for for the modern two-year-old uh there's a new version i believe it's like 20 bucks this one last time i checked was 270 is a collector item if you bought this in bulk in the early 2000s sell now value has gone up uh so i I was looking at questions it's on amazon so you can post questions there and people who've bought it before people who are selling it can answer them for you i'll hit these again it says uh does it come with a tsa pre-check bypass lane uh, the answer for that was no. So, you know, important. Uh, another question was, is this the same playset used for transatlantic flights and customs? Uh, is duty-free over three ounces still get confiscated? Important questions. And uh, the answer to that was, uh, it is close to being the same set. On the international version, you get the foreign customs officials. Amazingly, there were no forms to fill out. The process is efficient. And it actually felt like they wanted you to visit their country. So you, you get what's going on here. Here are the final two product reviews that I have not read yet. Breaking news. 
Three out of five stars. This one. It says fine, but needs more action figures. Granted, it only came with three people. Uh, and those aren't even action figures. Those are just people. There's a difference. Three out of five stars. Fine, but needs more action figures. It says the play set seemed well built. But none of the other Playmobil action figures I had seemed to enjoy it very much. In fact, most of them complained and are now being detained in an unknown location. That's nice. See, it's realistic. Last one. Three out of five stars says do not fly. Three out of five stars. Playmobil TSA set. Do not fly. The toy works perfectly, this review says. But all my son's action figures appear to be on a do not on a uh, no fly list. Even the birds. Thank goodness uh, we have a train set, or we couldn't get any other toys anywhere. Is there any way to confirm an action figure can fly before you buy it? The Playmobil Airport is in bankruptcy proceedings until they can get more passengers. It seems everyone loses at this game. I would say you can't script that, but. Uh, that's quite literally scripted. These people are geniuses. People ask me where I get my material. I say Amazon. You can buy everything there, and this is free. Okay, so uh, a big transition here. Not really. It's still internet-related. Amazon-related, too. Uh, the 20 most hackable passwords. A little while ago, I talked about the most used password in the world, and that was a world stat because it combined English and Mandarin. So you get Chinese people and English-speaking uh, people all in it together. This is for the United States. The 20 most hackable passwords. Did yours make the list? Actually, this isn't for uh, the U.S. This is technically for the U.K., but, you know, we speak the same language. Uh, you know, history. Uh, 20 most hackable passwords. This was published yesterday. Uh, from the UK National Cyber Security Center. They released uh, results of a survey that they did on the most commonly hacked passwords. These are not the most commonly used passwords. They're the ones that get hacked the most. The first 18 make sense. They make sense. The last two... I, the last two are why I'm talking about this today. It'll be a surprise, and it's pretty hilarious. The last two are funny. First 18 make absolute sense. They're all pre-related. Uh, and then it gives you a little challenge at the end. I'm Loopy. I'm looping. So Google freaked me out once, uh, many a year ago, when it sent me a message saying they thought my Gmail account had been hacked into. Uh, for really no reason, I freaked out and created another account, and I forced it upon myself, and the name of the email is so dumb that I dropped it a month later and went back to the account that got hacked. And that's the account I still use today for everything. So the importance of that, if you do get hacked, is not 
necessarily dump everything and make a new account. It's change your password. If they hack you once with a bad password, just change the password and they're not they're not going to hack you again. They got to find out your password again. But don't make it something similar. The UK has just come out the list of the 20 most hackable passwords in order of how common they are. Noted basically all of these are related, either uh, just similar or they're combinations of each other. This, uh, this article I have, uh, Josh Fialo, Fialo, I don't know, F-I-A-L-L-O. guess it depends on where he's from. It was published yesterday. The UK uh, putting out this report. Josh says, uh, reporter Josh says, while the world uh, constantly evolves, there's one constant we can always count on. The worst password you can possibly choose is still 123456. Don't do it. 123456 was found 23.2 million times by uh, this UK National Cybersecurity Center. Most commonly hacked most commonly hacked passwords 123456 is the most common. The year after year winner was followed by 123456789 thinking your original adding those 8789 at the end. Well, 7.7 million of those. Uh, as the world's most hackable passwords. Those are the top two, according to UK, the UK government's National Cyber Security Center, which released results of a survey on Sunday. Among the other worst passwords were sports teams, such as Manchester United and the Dallas Cowboys and Liverpool, as well as names, especially Daniel, Jessica, and Charlie, the report showed. Daniel, Jessica, and Charlie. Even more common, though, were these passwords ranked from worst to 20th on the number of times they were breached. This isn't the amount of times the passwords have been used. This is the amount of times people broke in using these passwords. The most common, again, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, has been hacked into 23.2 million times. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 has been hacked 7.7 million times. All right, number three, QWERTY. That would be the top six letters on a keyboard, also known as a QWERTY keyboard, because that's how the letters are arranged. You get what I'm saying? QWERTY is not a good password. Number four. The one that my school always used as a kid, the password of password. You don't do that. I know it's easy to remember because what's my, oh yeah, it's password. Don't do that. 3.6 million times in Britain alone that has been hacked into. Fifth worst. One, 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 one. Seven ones. Don't do that. Sixth worst. Uh, people being real clever here. Real clever. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Left off the nine. That's good. We're making improvements. Only being hacked almost three million times. Here we go. A, B, C, one, two, three. That's the seventh worst. Eighth worst. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Wow. 
Ninth worst, password one. Mm. See, they wouldn't guess. They would guess password. You add the one on there. That gets them. Here's the thing, though. That's the only one like that on this list. Password two is not uh, is not as commonly hacked. So, password two, maybe. Tenth worst, we're breaking the top ten here. One, two, three, four, five. Man, people, don't. One, two, three, four, five. Tenth worst password in Britain. Never thought I would ever say that. I was going to say on air, but just even in general, never thought I was going to say that. Eleventh worst password you can have. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, zero. Twelfth worst. One, two, three, one, two, three. Isn't this entertaining? Thirteenth worst. Six zeros. I'm not even just. I'm not even going to say it. Fourteenth. Now we're getting a little different. This is one that's a little different, but uh, it makes sense. The password I love you. Fourteenth worst password you can have. So if you were feeling good up until now, uh, you're in fourteenth place. Uh, and the better position you are, the worse you are. That's confusing. Fourteenth worst password is I love you. We're getting more creative now. Fifteenth worst is one, two, three, four. Sixteenth worst. This one's interesting, but it has been used a lot. I'm going to dissect it when we come back if you don't get it immediately. 1Q, 2W, 3E, 4R, 5T. It takes some people some time to figure this one out, but I figured it out pretty quick. Especially because I'm sitting in front of a keyboard. If you have a keyboard in front of you, 1Q, 2W, 3E, 4R, 5T. It's predictable. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. Tonight uh, on a very educational Loopy Radio, uh, we're talking about the worst passwords you can have. And by that I mean the most hacked passwords. The uh, sec- like the uh, security agency for the online for Britain, wasn't that worded poorly? National Cyber Security Center for uh, the UK posted a brand new survey, the results of a brand new survey uh, this past Sunday. Talking about the worst passwords you can have. The most hacked passwords. Uh, the most hacked password by far is 123456. So if that's your password, uh, you dumb butt, go change it. And make it something completely different because all the rest of the top 10 are basically 123456 or a variation thereof. All right, so where you left off at 16, the 16th worst password. 1Q2W3E4R5T. You may think you're clever if that's your password. But really, if you look at a keyboard, that's the digit 1 and then the letter below it, 2, the letter below it, 3, the letter below it, so on, until you get to 5. So uh, not very original. 17th is QWERTY wipe, which is the entire top row of letters on a keyboard. 18th worst password you can have, 123. I'm surprised that's even an option. Typically, when you make a password, it's like have a capital letter, be longer than eight digits, have a number, and uh, 
extra thingy like a exclamation point or a hashtag or something. But apparently people have 123 as a password and that gets hacked. Here we are. So we're now at 19 and 20. If you've uh, been listening for the past 15 minutes, you've been hearing the, you know, the worst passwords. They're all very similar except for I love you. But that's understandable. Nobody has that password thinking of me, but uh, that's okay. Uh, 19 and 20. So we've been doing like QWERTY, 123, I love you, password, all that kind of stuff. Number 19, most hacked password in the world is monkey. 20th most hacked password in the world. Dragon. So if you think you're being real clever by having the password of monkey or dragon, uh, you are mistaken. The writer of this article says the organization uh, released in a statement tips for making your password unique and less likely to be guessed by hackers. Well, yeah, that's that's an understandable thing to do. So how do you make how do you make your password better? Well, for starters, uh, don't use keys that are right next to each other in sequence on a keyboard. Easy for you is easier for a hacker. Because a hacker is just like you, except evil. And pretty smart, usually. I'm not saying you're dumb, I... I'm just going off personal experience. Be right back. I'm Loopy. From the Wayne Sumner Studio. How do you think when it says there's a 60% chance of rain? Because usually when there's like a 60% chance of rain, it rains some. Which would mean if it's raining, it's a 100% chance of rain. But it's really a 60% chance of rain. So what is it really talking about when it says 60%? Like if it's 90%, you expect it to rain. But it's 90%. That's not 100%. But we all we all know it's going to rain when it's a 90% chance of rain. So that's 90% as opposed to 100% of what if it's going to rain? I don't know. Broadcasting live in Boone, North Carolina. If, if the average of the Earth is going up by 3 degrees... And Charlotte, North Carolina's average has gone up by like 10, apparently. That means somewhere else is going down 7. This is Loopy Radio, Hour 2. I'm Loopy. For real, though, I had a lot of sweet tea tonight. And I got two things of large fries. I'm feeling it. I don't smoke and I don't drink, but I did drink. Sweet tea, and I did eat a lot of fries. It might it, it might be similar. So tonight we've been talking uh, about passwords and uh, fake reports, fake reviews online. Uh, I guess the key to this whole thing is just be careful for uh, bad people. Uh, they're either going to hack your easy password or they're going to uh, steer you wrong when it comes to a product review. But we've been looking at a uh, the results that came out from uh, the UK's National Cybersecurity Center, the NCSC. They released the ten, I mean the uh, twenty worst passwords you can have because they are the most hacked. The worst one is one, two, three, four, five, six. If you didn't see that coming, uh, 
I don't know what else you were thinking of. The 19th and 20th worst passwords you can have are monkey and dragon. No idea why so many people have the password of monkey, but dragon I can kind of understand. It's kind of memorable, but monkey? Anyway. And then monkey comes before dragon? Anyway. This article says uh, the organization released in a statement tips for making your password unique and less likely to be guessed by hackers. And they leave you with a practical thing to help you uh, come up with a new original password. Ian uh, Levy, the NCSE technical director, said password reuse is a major risk that can be avoided. I bet 99, I bet Germex levels of people, 99.999% of people uh, reuse passwords. I mean, I'm not going to keep track of 100 billion passwords for everything. Password reuse is a major risk that can be avoided. Nobody should protect sensitive data with something that can be guessed, like their first name, local sports team, or favorite band. Using hard-to-guess passwords is a strong first step. And we recommend combining three random but memorable words and be creative and use words memorable to you so people can't guess your password. Naturally, me having the brain that I have, when I read that, combine three random but memorable words. I I sat at my desk for a while, and I kind of started wondering to myself. I I couldn't think of, I couldn't think of memorable words. I I just blanked. It took me a minute, but I came up with three memorable words to combine. Those words are squish, nuggets, and moose. And I got squagoose. That is my new password, squagoose. If uh, if you need help. With your passwords, yeah. Combine three words like squish, nuggets, and moose. Two animals did show up as the top 20, though, so maybe moose is uh, is dangerous. At first I had the word chicken, but I think that's too common. And I was also thinking about eating a Chick-fil-A, which I did, and I enjoyed it. Uh, Yeah, so uh, interesting things on the show today. Uh, I, I invented a word. If you ever have squishy moose nuggets... I don't know what kind of restaurant you're at in Montana, but if you have squishy moose nuggets, you have a squidoose. And you also have my password. We'll be right back with something slightly more intelligent. Stick around. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. I'm not a coffee drinker myself. Um, when I was younger, I tried it. So it's not like I've never tried it. And I was like, no, I don't want it. Uh, I've grown out of that within the past few days. Uh, but when I was younger, I tried coffee. And for whatever reason, I don't know. You know, I I have no way of justifying this. But for whatever reason, I had it in my brain that coffee was going to be like this thick thing. I don't know. Maybe the color of it, the dark color of it, made me think it's going to be, like, 
thick and soupy and viscous, but it's not. It's like water because it really is water. And uh, I was highly disappointed. In fact, I was scarred by it. And I've tried it again in college, even the like iced coffee things, and I just don't like it. I don't know. And it really comes down to the uh, the thickness of it or the lack thereof. I'm also not a big fan of the flavor, but I mean you can also you can always just douse it with sugar and um like creamer. But then you might as well be drinking like dirty milk at that point. I don't know. It's uh, it scarred me. But one thing that I do love is some Coca-Cola. I love soda. I'm addicted to soda. It is uh, going to make my already bad Saunders family teeth uglier uh, with time. But I don't really care. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm beyond the point of no return. Uh, genetically. So, Coke, Coca-Cola, headquartered in Atlanta, if you didn't know that. They're launching a full-scale attack on Starbucks, according to Brian Sauzy, the editor-at-large at Yahoo Finance. This is actually pretty stinking big news because Coke has a lot of money, a lot of influence, and they just made a big purchase. Coca-Cola. Ironically, uh, their sign on the marketplace is KO. Closed on its $5 billion acquisition of overseas-based Costa Coffee. The second largest coffee brand behind Starbucks. And Coca-Cola CEO James Quincy is uh, wasting no time in ramping up Coke's involvement in the lucrative global coffee industry. Coca-Cola. And this isn't just uh, a situation where they just buy another company and just, you know, they own it. And you don't really tell it's Coca-Cola. No, we're about to see some changes. Here's what they're saying. Uh, Quincy, James Quincy, the CEO of Coke, revealed several details on Coke's attack plan for the coffee market on the first quarter earnings call with analysts yesterday. First, Coke is expanding its test of coffee-infused soda to 25 markets this year. The company debuted Coke Plus Cafe Espresso in Southeast Asia in 2018. Coke Plus Cafe Espresso. Uh, yeah, wow. Uh, sounds dangerous. A Coke uh, spokesman told Yahoo Finance there are no plans to debut Coke coffee in the U.S. at this time, but it will likely be here before you know it. Coke is also poised to release ready-to-drink coffee products under the Costa brand shortly. No launch markets were shared, so the U.S. is a possibility for that one. By a ready-to-drink coffee product, we're talking about like the uh, Starbucks espresso drinks you can get, uh, you know, in, like the vending machines on campus, that kind of stuff. That stuff can be pretty good, especially the chocolate-flavored stuff. I can drink that. But yeah, if you ever see the Costa brand, C-O-S-T-A, that is Coca-Cola. And they didn't just, Costa Coffee is not just some little startup. I mean, they're the second biggest coffee brand right now, uh, I believe globally, at least in Europe. 
Quincy said, um, the CEO, uh, the, said that these uh, more caffeinated products, like the uh, ready-to-drink coffee products, along with expanded distribution for new Coke Energy, take aim at people looking for a pick-me-up in the afternoon. This is a big deal. Because uh, Starbucks doesn't just make money on coffee in the morning. They also have their plethora of drinks for people who want a coffee or a uh, coffee type thing, or at least the buzz that you get from a coffee uh, in the afternoon. And you don't necessarily want a coffee when it's 90 degrees out. You get one of these frozen things that I don't drink because they cost $20 million a pop. People drink these things. You know, you see it all the time. The green straws or whatever. If they still use straws. They might have banned them now. Starbucks. We might be changing here. I'm Loopy. Support College Talk Radio on WASU. More at loopyradio.com. in the news this week, especially for investors, uh, which uh, we're probably not as college students because uh, we have no money. Uh, but uh, the Coke, Coca-Cola just purchased a massive, massive coffee chain. And they didn't do that just because they want to you know, make money somewhere else with a different product. They want to take that product and directly influence what they already have. They're talking about, like, Coke energy drinks. Caffeine to the max. Like, soda has caffeine, but coffee has caffeine. Soda and coffee? Caffeine. Energy, kind of. People use it. I don't, but absolutely people use it. I don't drink coffee because I was disappointed by it as a kid. But boy, do I drink soda. I'm a weird one. I like normal Coke, but I like cherry Pepsi. I'm fine with both Coke and Pepsi, which apparently is a cardinal sin. Uh, I prefer Coke, but if someone gives me a Pepsi, I'm not disappointed. RC Cola is good, too. That uh, Dark Horse RC Cola. They don't use real sugar, though, which is disappointing. Uh, Coke it bought a coffee company. Costa Coffee. Kind of seems like the uh, the worthy purchase. Starts with C-O, just like Coke. The CEO of Coke, uh, this, is, this just happened. The CEO of Coke has been talking about it a little bit. His name is uh, Quincy. Why can't, I, why can't I find this man's name? CEO James Quincy. Talking about uh, what they're planning to do with this. In Southeast Asia in 2018, Coke came out with Coke plus Cafe Espresso. So uh, you can now you can look back and be like, oh, yeah, we kind of saw that one coming. 
Coke is poised to release ready-to-drink coffee products under the Costa brand very soon. We don't know where, what countries that's going to happen in. Could be just Europe. Could be here in America. Could be both. Could be Asia. Coke's all over the world, for crying out loud. They even got the polar bears on their side, if you look at their commercials. Quincy, the CEO, said... uh, These more caffeinated products, the ready-to-go coffee things, along with expanded distribution for new Coke Energy, take aim at people looking for a pick-me-up in the afternoon. It's a big deal. Quincy has made uh, no secret to transition Coke to a total beverage company that not only includes coffee-infused soda, but also straight-up ready-made coffee drinks uh, via Costa, and new, better-for-you sports drinks through a minority stake in the hard-charging body armor. That I did not know. Coke has a minority share of body armor. But specifically on coffee, Coke is more aggressive. Uh, Coke's more aggressive posture should worry Starbucks. This is according to Brian Sazi, the editor-at-large at Yahoo Finance. Coke's more aggressive posture should worry Starbucks, especially as it has had trouble driving afternoon traffic to its stores. Figure it this way. Each can of Coke coffee purchased in the afternoon is one less cold foam, cold brew bought at Starbucks. And it's entirely possible that these Coke products are going to be far, far cheaper than what you could get at Starbucks. So that kind of means one or two things. Either financially, people are going to switch to the Coke products, or Starbucks is going to have to lower its prices. That's what it means. Starbucks isn't going to... There's no way Starbucks keeps status quo with their sales and their prices because of this move by Coke. Something has to give, either their customers or the prices. This is why having multiple outlets to purchase from only helps. Because you either get something better for the same price or the same kind of thing for a cheaper price. But there's more bad news for Starbucks this week. More bad news. According to CNN Business, Starbucks' big rival in China plans to list in New York. They're going to try to come to the U.S. And this big rival in China is not, you know, some distant second place. They're, uh, they're neck and neck in China. And do you know what's ridiculous? Is this competitor is only 18 months old and they already have basically equal share in China we'll see what will happen with that I'm Loopy I'm Loopy big moves are being made and they're not in Starbucks' favor all this week and both aren't, uh, you know, the two different companies, but all the attacks here are on Starbucks. 
Hong Kong, CNN Business, Starbucks' biggest rival in China, just announced plans to go public in the United States. Beijing-based Luckin Coffee said in a filing Monday that it wants to sell shares on the NASDAQ as part of its ambitious expansion plans. Despite being barely 18 months old, Luckin has opened more than 2,300 outlets across China and plans to open another two and a half grand by the end of this year. They want to double by the end of this year. If that happens, the company will oust Starbucks as China's biggest coffee chain. Luckin has not said how much it plans to raise or uh, when its initial public offering is likely to happen. But the firm has previously raised hundreds of millions of dollars from big international investors, including BlackRock. Following the company's most recent fundraising in April, it was valued at about $2.9 billion after 18 months. The rapid ascent of luck into challenge Starbucks shows how Chinese upstarts are increasingly rivaling Western brands in one of the world's top consumer markets. Luckin said Monday it has been boosted by huge growth in coffee consumption in the world's second biggest economy, more than 8.7 billion cups last year. While both Starbucks and Luckin serve coffee, the similarities largely end there. This uh, article from CNN Business, like Starbucks's trademark coffee shops, Unlike Starbucks' trademark coffee shops, most of Luckin's outlets are tiny booths in out-of-the-way spots that take orders online for both delivery and pickup. More important, Luckin has placed technology at the heart of its business from the start. Its Its outlets don't accept cash. Instead, consumers can only pay through the Luckin app, which offers loyalty bonuses. That's the future. Paying through an app. It's weird, but, uh, you know, think about it. If everybody does it, then it just kind of works. Instead of using Apple Pay or Android Pay or Google Pay, whatever, you just use the app. Same kind of process. As long as it's safe. As long as your password isn't 123456. So you have to pay for the app, but uh, you also get loyalty bonuses. China is Starbucks' second biggest market after the United States, with around 3,000 stores across the country, across China. It's still bigger than Luckin. Starbucks plans to to, uh, more than double that number by the end of 2022. But if Luckin uh, does what they want to do, they'll be bigger than Starbucks long before 2022. Luckin still faces long-term challenges. The company's filing with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission revealed that it lost more than $240 million last year. Luckin said it could continue to lose money for the, quote, foreseeable future. So there are some unknowns about this company. It's, uh, it's an iffy investment. But... Uh, It, it it definitely could work. They're they're exploding in China. 
exploding. And people all over the world uh, need their coffee. Except me, apparently. It's, a, it's, it's not a market uh, worth avoiding. Luckin Coffee. Keep that in mind. L-U-C-K-I-N. Their logo is like a, uh, a blue deer. It's as if they're kind of like ripping off caribou coffee. It's, uh, that's what came to mind when I first saw it. And some of their marketing looks a little bit like Starbucks. So it's kind of like a knockoff of Starbucks and caribou, but blue instead of green. Interesting. In other world news, completely different. Some people are starting to uh, raise some questions about the future of gaming. This is from GameBite. The PS5 and Xbox 2 will likely be the last consoles ever. That'll be a change. This is by Laura Jackson uh, about a week ago. Consoles, she says, consoles were once the only way to play games, and then the PC gaming, then mobile gaming, and now we're on the cusp of the next evolution of gaming. Streaming. If you tuned into the show about a month ago, Google Stadia was all I talked about for like an hour. It's a big, stinking deal, and this is exactly what this article is about. Google Stadia is yet to be tested on a massive scale is yet to be declared practical by the public. We don't know what the prices are yet, but it's coming. It's uh, it's coming, and when it comes, if it works, it'll be it. It will be the thing to use. All you need to use Google Stadia is a Chrome browser. That's it. Phone, tablet, PC, laptop, Chrome browser. That's all you need, and you play video games at the highest quality. Higher than most gaming PCs. It'll be it'll be a huge difference, and as a result, people are already starting to say the PS5 and Xbox 2, the next consoles to come out, will probably be the last ones ever. I have a little bit of skepticism on that because they are clearly not including a certain Nintendo. But as we all know, if you play video games, Nintendo is just a world of their own. And as long as they don't come out with another Wii U, uh, they'll do just fine. But this is something worth thinking about. Uh, if Stadia comes out in the next few months and looks legit... Are you going to buy a big console? Or are you just going to switch? It's worth considering. Stick around. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. So with this new Google Stadia thing coming out, a lot of people uh, are starting to think, e, maybe this is it. You know, maybe this is the uh, the next big evolution, the next big change. It really all, it it all comes down to to two things. One, does it actually work consistently? And two, is it affordable? Because the thing to keep in mind with Google Stadia is you have to have a certain threshold. You have to meet a certain threshold in internet quality. So if it doesn't work over mobile, uh. Yeah, that's going to hurt them. 
And if it doesn't work over just an okay to crappy uh, internet connection, that might not be good enough either. What you get with a console is a physical device that you play games on that you know the games are optimized for, so you know it should work consistently. Stadia, you have to have an internet connection. And some people just don't. Some people just don't have the internet. Or if they do, it's very limited. Or it's expensive. And it's not worth having. So they'll just have a phone, which has internet, but maybe that coverage isn't good enough to play on Stadia. So you gotta be thinking about all that. Well, this is from GameBite. Good gaming website, Lara Jackson says the PS5 and Xbox 2 could be the last consoles ever. And she doesn't say could be. She says likely to be the last consoles ever. The next evolution is streaming. She says, however, with the, uh, the unveiling of Google's entry into the world of games, Stadia, it looks as though uh, that might be the future we're all heading towards, whether we like it or not. When Google unveiled Stadia last month, the world was left with a lot of questions. Can it really stream AAA games in a browser, also known as big blockbuster games? Can it really stream those in a browser, or on your phone, or on your tablet? Is it really going to be as lag-free and seamless as we're being told? Are you going to need a ridiculous internet connection? Can it really deliver a blockbuster game experience that we're paying for? Well, she says Google seems to think so. And if the Stadia is a success, then what's the point of having a console? And yeah, that is the question to ask. And that is what Google is trying to answer in their own way. Tech experts and uh, and analysts seem to think that Stadia is the first real step in replacing consoles. It might not be the only step, but it's the first big one. Cristiano Amon, president of Qualcomm, U.S.-based tech company that helps build systems, recently said, this is from The Sun, there's no question in our view that the cloud is the new console. It's just a matter of time. Amon cited uh, not only the power of Stadia, but also its flexibility of use, saying you are just going to start playing on any device on any screen, that is going to be the future of gaming. If you go to mobile and take away the limitation of processor power, then you can look at streaming sophisticated PC games from the cloud. Yeah, if this works as it's said to be, it doesn't matter how powerful your device is, as long as it can browse the internet efficiently which isn't that hard to do. They were able to do that in the 90s. He says, we've started to see some of the cloud gaming announcements. I'm sure there'll be much more coming. And yeah, uh, Google's the first to step out on a limb, say they're going to try to do it. Other companies will follow. Uh, You can be assured. He says, uh, well, this is back to Lara. Laura Jackson. She says there's even more to it than that. As a streaming service, Stadia will rely on digital purchases of games. 
something that's a lot cheaper for the creators to offer uh, out in comparison to discs boxed up and shipped around the world. That's something I never thought about. That is why it would be understandable to uh, like digital downloads if you're a developer. You don't have to buy discs in bulk. You don't have to buy boxes in bulk, print programs, booklets. That's a huge cost. Especially if you're one of these companies you know, selling like Red Dead or Grand Theft Auto. That's a lot of discs and boxes. You can save a lot of money. So that'll make developing a game cheaper. It's all interesting to think about. We'll be right back with the end. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. So we're thinking a lot about... uh, A lot about gaming. And uh, it's, it's a big question. I really... I can't predict, uh, based off what I'm seeing, what the future will hold. It's really going to come down to how well Stadia works. Because if people find out pretty quick that most people just don't have a good enough internet connection, then that kind of debunks the whole streaming thing. It just won't work. Because there's a whole lot more data, a whole lot more data that you're transferring, streaming, with video games than you would be with Netflix. It's a big difference. So, and even then, Netflix doesn't always stream perfectly. It just doesn't. And it goes in and out of good quality. And you don't want that when you play a game. You want it to be consistent. No lag, good graphics, good frame rate, all that. And I'm sure Google knows that, and they're working on that right now, I guarantee you. So it's we'll see we'll see what Stadia can do. Uh if if it works, I very well might be a customer. I think it all comes down to how you pay for it. If it's a subscription, I might not do it. If you can buy games and they're yours and you always have access, I might. I might do it. Here's one little thing uh, to wrap off the night. Kohl's is your Amazon package destination. Kohl's Uh, I've shopped there many times for clothing. Starting in July. And completely free of charge. This is from uh, Tim on Droid Life. Thanks, Tim. Starting in July, completely free of charge, Kohl's will be able to handle your Amazon package returns. Apparently, you don't even have to package the item you wish to return. Kohl's will handle everything. You just show up, give them the stuff you want to return, and they'll return it. That's what it's looking like starting in July. Everywhere. Every Kohl's in the country. Much like you would any other uh, return on Amazon, you'll initiate the return on Amazon's website or app, I'm assuming. From here, you'll be able to select a Kohl's location you wish to return your item to. Then it's off to Kohl's to drop off your item. And as Kohl's is thinking... Off to Kohl's to also look at shirts and belts and pants and dresses and perfumes and all that stuff. 
So that's definitely what Kohl's is thinking. Uh, it forces you to go to their store. But if you hate shipping stuff or if that just is annoying or stressful somehow or you really don't know what to do, this is a great uh, great change. And, yeah, it's free. Kohl's says it will take all, quote, eligible Amazon purchases. Though The Verge reports that third-party Amazon marketplace seller purchases may not be eligible. It's going to be like a case-by-case basis with the third-party stuff. But if you bought it from Amazon or something fulfilled by Amazon, uh, it should be free of charge. Any Kohl's, starting in July, return whatever you need to return free of charge. Because that's the annoying thing with returning. Uh, Two things are known with returning online things that we all know. Paying for the shipping to return it. It just seems so dumb. And uh, actually having to package it. You know, no one owns just unused cardboard boxes sitting around that you can ship stuff in. So it's nice that uh, it's smart that Amazon went out, reached out, and made these connections with Kohl's. But the third-party sellers on Amazon might be a different story. We'll have to uh, look into that. We'll wait. We'll have uh, This article says we'll have to wait for official wording on Amazon for all the details. But, uh, yeah, a little bit of a game-changer there. Because I'm probably like a lot of people. I'd buy something online only because I'm sure I wouldn't return it. But now this kind of opens a little bit of a door saying, hey, you know, it's not it's not too painful to return something. Uh, you know, that might be a, a little bit of an option. Starts in July. Kohl's. Another reason to uh, go out there and look at printed shirts. I like me a good old printed t-shirt. All right. So uh, that's another week. Next week is the last week of school. Unbelievable. Last week of classes. And then we have exams. Yay. I just found out today I have three exams in one day. I'm ready to die. All right, I'll be back next week with more. I'm Loopy.